Grace Allen is my next guest, and she's definitely not afraid to bring up any subject as long as it involves people. Liz is a great facilitator of conversations, getting to the heart of the matter and not holding back on language. She is well known for the Vagina Dialogues and Talking Bollocks. This week, she is holding an event, The Pregnant Pause, to open discussion about how women can walk alone without fear and reclaim the streets after the death of Sarah Everard. Liz lost her aunt who was murdered when she was 18 and she will be sharing some insights from this life-changing event. Welcome to Tea Time with me, Annie Monjat. Liz, it's always great to see you. How are you doing? I'm in sparkling form, it has to be said. It has to be said, actually. Yeah, I'm in good form. Thank you for asking. How are you? Yes, I'm okay. I'm I'm good, really. Just as you know, I'm dealing with, you know, my son moving out to Canada. But, you know, it's one of those things. And mm. during the current sort of situation, it, it's difficult to hug anybody, isn't it? You know, so. Yeah. Look on it as you've gained a holiday destination. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Canada's lovely place. It is. It is. Yeah, no, definitely. So I'm really looking forward to that. So you've been up to to usual antics, haven't you? And um, heard that you were kicked off of Facebook, for goodness Uh, sake. What on earth have you been up to, Liz? Well, actually, I've been, I haven't really done anything out of the ordinary. But to explain, so about 10 years ago, I created an event in the real world (laughs) back in the day. Um, And it was an event specifically for women because I felt there was a place, uh, I wanted to create a safe place for women to come and have conversation about things that really mattered that, you know, um, were heartfelt subjects. And the conversation, the whole event was around the mothering role about how we related to our mothers or to our daughters. It was all about those tricky roles. Let's face it. I mean, you've just, that's the first thing you said, wasn't it? You know, having to say goodbye to your son. It's, I, th- I think women in particular, mothers in particular find the mothering role. It's, it's challenging, isn't it? You know, it's, it's for, well, for nine important things isn't it that you can do in life so I mean it's not I used to go around so I've got four children and I I must admit I was a bit sort of well it's the most important job on the planet it is if you are a parent if you're not of course it's not you know and there are other ways of being fulfilled as a woman as a as well as a human being um but anyway I started this event looking at the mothering role because I'd had difficulty with it with my own mother and with my with four daughters oh my god anyway so so I wanted to find a really catchy name for it because you know like mother and daughter events it, it's not exactly you know wow it doesn't grab your attention so I called it the vagina dialogues which at the time there was the play that everybody was talking about or the the, the monologues the vagina monologues and so I purposely called it the Vagina Dialogues because actually that's what it is. It's a dialogue, you know, for women. Anyway, um, so I'm being very long-winded. I'll get more to the point. So this has been, I've had trademarked it. I've been using the name for 10 years. I set up a pay, Facebook page 
And then suddenly, having taken a six month break from social media during lockdown, I come back on two, three weeks ago and there's this message from Facebook saying we're about to take your page down because um, it transgresses. They didn't use a big posh word like that. I forget what they said, but um, uh, it goes against our, our profanity, <laughs> our profanity <laughs> regulations. And it did surprise me because I have another event for men called Talking Bollocks. And... <laughs> Nothing had been said about that. And I, I did get a bit riled because I thought, oh, for goodness sake, we're in the 21st century. You know, these algorithmic prudes over in America, you know, vagina, it's a body part. It's a female body part. What is the matter with these people? But anyway, sure enough, a couple of weeks later, Talking Bollocks has been taken down as well. So I'm now pageless on Facebook but I'm not sure if I've got, I've got other things I need to be doing. I'm not sure if I've got the will to, oh, it's just tedious. It is tedious, especially when, you know, you put together something that was really, because I, I mean, I went to one of your live vagina dialogues. Oh, I can't yeah. remember when that was. I remember it was at, at Greenham, New Greenham Arts when it used to Oh, be. wow. That's going back a bit. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, those, that that sort of workshop because you, you made it feel like a sort of workshop environment where people had to put their hands up and take part yeah. and do things and I thought that was great because you know at the time actually there wasn't a lot of people out there doing that kind of thing yeah. you know, bringing groups of women together and facilitating conversations mm. um now it's gone completely crazy but however I just think you know that that was your own unique thing because there's one thing that I've learned about you Liz over the years is you tell it how it is you don't dress it up you tell it how it is and I feel that it it's possibly something to do with your nursing background as well yeah it could be yeah I think I've always tried to be kind and respectful. Um, when I was when I trained to be a nurse, I mean, I've done a couple of stints at nursing. Um, the first half, I was keeping people alive. <laughs> and then the second half, I was very much doing a lot of palliative care nursing and very different. Both strands, if you like, are all about trying to get into the other person's model of the world, trying to get into their view. Um, and anticipate their anxieties and their fears and help them as best you can. So I've always tried to be respectful, but sometimes I do get fed up with, sometimes we faff around, don't we? We beat around the bush and um, really we need to get straight to the point sometimes, as kindly as we possibly can. I've never, I think what I'm, what I'm trying to say, or maybe what you're trying to get at is I've never shied away from talking about the things that really matter. No. You know, I, I think there isn't enough of that sort of conversation. You know, uh, one of my maxims is there is no point in having a mind if you can't open it, expand it or change it. You know, it's OK to change your mind. And how do you change your mind? You have a conversation or you listen or read something from a source that you respect and you think, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Well, oh, that's interesting. And that expands your mind. And then the next time you have a conversation with somebody else, you can test it out and see what they think. And otherwise we all just live in little tunnels and we, we're too frightened to, to have that conversation and expand our consciousness. 
And I, um, we need that more than ever at the moment. Crikey. Yeah, no, we do. This is very true. I mean, um, initially, as you said, you started Vagina Dialogues before you then thought, well, you know, hang on a second, what about the men? You know, we can't sort of ostracise them from life. Can we? Well, to be honest, to be honest, I was quite happy just doing the Vagina Dialogues. And it was the men that, <laughs> the men that said to me, oi, come on, why can't we come to this event? And uh, so I said, well, it is for women only. Well, what about us then? So it was actually from a little bit of pressure from the men in my business networking group. And then, of course, you can imagine the hilarity of trying to find a, a name for the male version. Actually, I've had, I've had a lot of fun with these brands, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I used to go networking <laughs> go into the room and say um i'm liz allen i've got an event for women called the vagina dialogues or vd for short and one for men called talking bollocks or tb for short so i spread vd and tb worldwide so it always got a laugh apart from if there were younger people in the room because of course stis they didn't they had no idea what vd was so <laughs> so that's an interesting example of how language changes and moves on um but yeah no i've had a, i've had a lot of fun a lot a lot of fun as Scylla would say <laughs> Scylla yeah. black for the, for the younger viewers listeners i should say yeah no you you have had a lot of fun and i i think that's brilliant that you know that your you know talks have basically enabled a lot of people to sort of come forward and um, speak about, you know, things that you wouldn't really have started a conversation with about because, you know, let's face it, society sometimes puts you in a place, doesn't it, where you don't feel free mm. to talk about things. And, you know, I mean, your, the, the, your human rights, I mean, freedom of speech is Article 10. But, you know, there are still many, many women out there, aren't there, that don't feel like they have freedom of speech. I, th I think we all, well, I'm going to say we all do have freedom of speech um, in this country, in the UK. But sometimes we're too scared to exercise that freedom because, well, we're frightened of the consequences. And, some, and, and I think that's a good thing. I think we should all think a bit more before we open our mouths. You know, and I'm talking to myself here, you know, sometimes I thought, oh, my God, why did I say that? <laughs> you know, why did I not engage my brain before I opened my mouth? So we've all done it. We've all got ourselves in those situations where we wished we which we wish we hadn't. But I think to be frightened that somebody's going to do you harm or you're going to suffer or your family are going to suffer because you've spoken out. You know, I think a lot of women, because, you know, generally speaking, women are smaller than most women are smaller than most men. Well, I am. I'm only five foot two. So I, I'm at a, a physical disadvantage. You know, if a man wanted to overpower me, it wouldn't take much to knock me over. It really wouldn't. So, you, you know, sometimes from a place... A whole lot more, though, to verbally knock you over, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, I have... <laughs> I have been known to be silenced. I have on rare occasions when somebody's told me what they think is a real home truth. And I've thought, oh, my goodness, is that true? That really does shut me up. You know, somebody I know well says something. I do actually listen. <laughs> and sometimes 
sometimes I take it to heart. We all do that, though, don't we? But well, it, it is human nature, isn't it? I mean, we yeah. wouldn't be we, I, we'd be psychopaths if we didn't. Yeah, absolutely. Or narcissists. You know, there's narcissistic tendencies, or there's a narcissistic personality, and it's just a matter of gradation, isn't it? You know, I suppose we're all on that. <laughs> we're all on that. At some end one end or the other or you know let's hope we're none of us are near the, the oh the... I don't think so I don't think so I think you know it it's about you know making a difference and you know bringing some good into the world and that is something that you know you certainly set out to do with your talks and you know just recently you have now doing the the pregnant pause yeah, thank you for that's a very very neat segue into that conversation. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sally. I mean, I before I started the vagina dialogues, this this was my passion actually. I when I became pregnant with my eldest daughter, which is going back, you know, into the eighties, I can remember being utterly terrified, thinking I have no idea. I'm expecting this child and I'm going to have to grow up pretty quickly. I know how to keep it alive because I'd done my nursing by that point. But the thought of having responsibility for its emotional well-being and development truly scared me. And I can remember making a very conscious decision that I would mother parent as consciously as I possibly could. And, you know, really put thought into it all, um, which I did. You know, I tried really hard over those years to do that. And when eventually they said, sort of, you know, I was knee deep in children for quite a few years and I just couldn't. You've got four lovely girls. I have. Yes, I'm very, I'm very fortunate. I feel very proud of my, my gals. And so once, you know, they sort of grew up and flew the nest it's like, well, how can I help other women do or other parents do what you said at the beginning, which is, you know, if you are a parent, the most important job on the planet. Um, so I thought about this idea of doing the pregnant pause, helping parents, um, not necessarily couples, but, you know, because uh, we're not always having children as a, as a couple, but just help them share some of the things I wished I'd known back then with, with them. So I came up with this idea of the pregnant pause and then I kind of got sidetracked by the vagina dialogues and talking bollocks a bit, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I've come back to the pregnant pause because I do think, you know, we, we, it, it's a common saying, isn't it? When we're not given a manual when we're, when we're expecting a baby, you know, we've got the way we were brought up or the way our partner was brought up and we watch the people around us, but we're not really prepared for it properly, I don't think. No. I don't think. It's just such a shock, isn't it, to the system? Um, Completely. You, it yeah. is. You know, you've, you've suddenly got this human being that you're in charge of and, you know, you have to make Grow sure up. <laughs> yeah, you have to bring them up. But you're right. I mean, it's not just on the physical level, as in you can see them, you know, that they're eating properly and that they're, they're doing this. It's, you know, also the 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 mind. Are you feeding their minds with the knowledge? Yeah. I mean, you know, just, just talking about that actually takes me back to when my children were really little and going to nursery groups and things. And 
you know how you always had mums or certain mums who would be just like overstimulating their baby yeah 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 <laughs> um you know rightly or wrongly I mean there's, there's no you know there's no right way or wrong way really but um so I mean you know because over the last sort of 20 years we've been in a different sort of period of thought as well haven't we mm. where we you know it, it's become much more forefront to keep pushing education at a very young age and mm. I mean I don't I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of that in this chat because this is a chat rather than a you know deep discussion but I do th I, I mean I to be honest I would hate to be bringing up my kids in this phase of development, you know, with technology, phones, uh, so much is in, in everybody's face now, you know, and I just think, how do you, how do you police or support your kid who wants to be connected with everybody else, especially in lockdown, you know, through social media and online stuff, but connect, be connected, but also protect them from stuff like, like porn you know uh, did you see I didn't watch it but I just saw a clip on my on my news feed on the phone about the Grammy Awards and one of the performers I forget who it was now was really uh, the way they were clothed or or <laughs> virtually naked <laughs> you know unclothed I forget who it was it doesn't matter who it was but um, you know, so people were commenting that this is just like having soft porn on your at the Grammy Awards. This is just, just completely off radar, really. For I don't know, I would hate to be, I'd hate to be looking after young minds at the moment, very young minds at the moment. I would. No, absolutely. I, I agree with you in a way. I mean, mine are still younger, but. Um, it, it is a, a very strange time, isn't it, where mm. a, a lot of things seem to be, you know, quite visual, and I, I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. But you know, back to the pregnant pause. I mean, you know, what what you're trying to, well, not you're trying to, you are teaching people that actually, um, you know, to open their minds that you know it's not just about growing a child feeding a child, looking after their education. It, it's the bigger picture, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you said the word teach. I don't see myself as a teacher, and I, I don't want you to think I'm being pedantic here, but I don't know the answers for your child. I don't know the, chat, the answers for my own children, never mind anybody else's. But what I like to think I do in my events is I just share usually my mistakes because that, that people hear those more easily. In fact, that's, that reminded me, the very first Vagina Dialogues I did at Arlington Arts Centre, that was going back 10 years. There must have been about 150 people in the room. And I, all my girls were in the room, actually. And I was sharing things that I wished I'd done differently, that if hindsight is a wonderful thing, but I wished I'd done it differently. And the feedback forms afterwards, we were going through them at home. And the girls had sort of shoved this form to one side. And I'm going, what's that? What's that? They go, no, no, mum, read it tomorrow, you know, when you're less tired. And I'm saying, I'm not tired. What is it? 
Anyway, I read it. And this woman had put, I'm so glad I came to your event tonight about, about mothering. I realise I'm a better mother than you are. <laughs> <laughs> she did. She did. <laughs> and my girls, they were really, they were mortified and they didn't want me to read it. But to this day, Ali, you know, I've had a lot of lovely things said about my events, but that sticks out. And do you know why? Because that probably more than anything drives me on, motivates me. It's not a competition and we should be sharing best practice, things that work, things that don't work. Um, and in a way, that kind of leads me on to why I've resurrected the pregnant pause, because I'm going to use, I created a little video. Yeah. So it's only 79 seconds short. It's a lot more succinct than I, I am. Um, but it gives my philosophy, what I, how I think about all of this. And, I'm, and I've resurrected it and I'm using it again because I'm doing a conversation next week about, the, uh, well, I've been prompted to do it because of the Sarah Everard murder. So those of you in the UK listening will know that a young woman was, young woman was murdered in London a couple of weeks ago and it, it created a lot of upset, quite rightly. Mm. And distress, including one of my daughters who wrote this very heartfelt, angry slash fearful post on, on Facebook saying, has nothing changed? We're still going round and round in circles. Why is this happening to women? And, and I read this and I thought, oh, perhaps I ought to get out there and just start the conversation about what I think could help. And the reason I feel qualified to do that is when I was 18, my aunt, who was actually like a surrogate mother to me because, well, there were, she filled in the holes that my mother couldn't fill. You know, there were six of us in the family, born very close. And so my aunt, who I was really close to, was murdered. And I was only 18 at the time. And as you can imagine, it had a devastating effect on me and changed the course of my life forever. And I, so I'm going to use bits of that story um, linked with the video and that's going to form the basis of a discussion because that's the thing I'm not a teacher um, you know I have qualifications um, you know my degree from way back when I left school um, I studied psychology linguistics and social social anthropology can't even say it so I have a, I have a lot of academic learning which I've carried right through my life I've always been fascinated with the mind and how it works and how it doesn't work <laughs> um, and society and how we all mix together and language. Language is so important. You know, the language you use to communicate, to connect, not just the words, but the way we say words. I feel there are times in my life I haven't paid enough attention to that. And I'm always learning, you know, that sometimes we just say things might be the right words, but in, at the wrong time or with the wrong energy or with the yeah, wrong tone. It's true. And I think, you know, because we're now in the sort of era where we can say or change words into just about anything because they don't wouldn't have the same meaning like 20, 30 years ago, would they? Yeah. So it's quite interesting, isn't it? Dialogues, I think, as well. Yeah. I mean, years ago, I mean, I've done several coaching qualifications. One of them, I always remember this. It was such a great example of 
one sentence so because for, for me I love talking <laughs> which yeah. comes as no, no, no surprise <laughs> to those who know me I love it because you can add so much by the use of your voice and pause and all this whereas the written word is is two-dimensional you can you become very skillful at communicating with the written word but it still lacks expression you know, yeah and I remember them teaching us this on the um, on the coaching course. One sentence. I never said he stole the money. 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 Oh, I missed one out. I never said he stole the money. I never said he stole the money. I never said he stole the money. Same words, six, seven different meanings. meanings it, yeah. So I just think, so going back to my events, you know, I do like to stress they are respectful conversations where we listen to each other and open each other's minds. And like that woman who came to my very first event, the Vagina Dialogues, like she clearly thought I was about, I should have, she was a better mother than me. I should have had a chat with her to see what she was doing differently. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing. We, we can't, we have to learn from each other. We have to respect one another and listen and adopt best practice. Um, yeah. So, so my event next week um, is going to be all about just thinking about how, I've got I've got some ideas. I've got some calls to action. What I want people to go away thinking about and doing differently. Um, I want to give people hope because you know if we go, oh, well, there's no point. We're still you know we're still going round and round in circles. There is hope. I mean, I think the the celebs with their Me Too campaign. I do think that did us all very powerful wasn't it It was very powerful and I know a lot of men are frightened now you know about approaching women or you know and sometimes it gets taken to the extreme of course it does but I think that's the point isn't it we you know there's a lot of turmoil and so on and then we'll we'll all settle down with this new information and hopefully new respect for one another and um one of my daughters was telling me that in New Zealand, I better get I better get this exactly right, but that consent over there, not not I don't mean consent for sex, but um, um, just kissing somebody. Apparently, the young men in school that they're, they're they're sort of trained now, or it's part of the conversation to ask a girl, "Do you mind if I kiss you?" And we might think that's really daft, but actually, it cuts yeah. out any it cuts out any confusion doesn't it and it does cut out any confusion it it also it does and i think it's a really good thing it also takes away though that sort of um romantic moment oh you big softy you come on then <laughs> tell us about your romantic moments <laughs> oh wow liz <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so, well, you know, as I, I have had some of recent, there, there is somebody in, in the background, shall I say, but, <laughs> but I also, it's early days, so I, I don't want to, hmm. 
Yeah, but you know, I think it, it is a shame in some ways because you know, when we were young, you met, you know, boy meets girl or <clears throat> boy meets boy or girl meets girl, and you would just you know, it would be a natural progression of things to kiss, wouldn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I suppose that's the point, isn't it? There's, you can't legislate for this, but I suppose to have the conversation makes everybody more aware. In fact, I was chatting to a young bloke in London um, and we were talking about um, um, Sarah Everard's murder and he was saying that his behaviour's changed a lot over the years. He's probably in his 30s, this chap. And as a young teenager, he was stopped and searched as a, as a black kid 10 mm. times, he reckoned. I mean, you're really going to change your behaviour when you're being picked on like that, aren't you? And he says that now when he's walking down the street, if there's a woman walking ahead of him on her own, he will cross over to the other side of the street so that A, he, she's not scared by him walking up behind her. He's much more conscious of that. But also he doesn't want to get into trouble. You know, she turned around and started shouting and accusing him of stalking her or whatever. So he's become much more mindful of self-aware basically, which I think on balance, it's not a bad thing. I think you're absolutely right. No, I think you are absolutely right. But, you know, I think, you know, there's there's still, you know, um, the the idea that there's not gender equality. Mm. You know, and I think, you know, I, I completely understand. I mean, what happened to Sarah Everard is absolutely terrible. And I can understand why women don't feel protected on the streets. Um, you know, and it has brought up that whole issue of going out at night and you know not knowing who's around the corner and you know men being sort of stronger physically and all that yeah. type of thing but you know I also think that you know if we sort of were to address gender equality a lot more then maybe not everybody would think like that I, I do think when we don't understand something, we're scared of it, aren't we? And, and I think one of the, the conversations that has happened several times in my rooms at various times is, particularly, well, the men, the very first talking bollocks I did, um, I kind of sold it. When the men came in, I said, I'm going to share the inner workings of my mind. Good luck. <laughs> 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 and I said, because um, I think I sold the event as the strap line was puts common sense back into relationships. And the men had come in and it was predominantly to talk about the women in their lives, starting with their mother, but then going on from that and, and understanding, you know, how they related to their own mothers and then moved on. And I said to them, I remember saying, um, saying to them at the beginning of the events, you know, you're, you've come into the room trying to understand the women in your life. The chances are the women in your life don't understand themselves. <laughs> and, you know, I think there's a huge element of truth in that. And I include myself in that. It's taken me decades to understand myself. And why am I so frightened in that situation? It doesn't make sense. 
you know, I've had a lot of experience and I'm well educated. Why am I frightened to do that or put myself in that situation? And it's taken me a lot of unpicking. I've had to unlearn a lot, Ali. You know, we get conditioned so much by our early childhood and you you carry on in that path because that's all you know until until you start having conversations with other people and you think oh well they don't do that like that in their family oh and you start to realize that you know there is more than one way of parenting more than one way of living life as a family and you have to find your own way um but that's how we open our minds isn't it talking to other people and and trying to understand like I say, I've spent decades trying to understand myself and then, you know, trying to understand men. I mean, you know, I found men, I grew up with five older brothers. So I, I thought, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm still alive. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought I, I was scared of my brothers, actually, on one level. I was scared of them because they were bigger and stronger than me and yeah and, and I think when you don't understand people when they think so differently to you and you can't anticipate how they're going to behave I think that's that's frightening um, yeah I think I think it is frightening and I, I think you know bearing in going back to you know what what your talk is on um well discussion isn't it it's a discussion that we're all going to be having. I'm really looking forward to it, by the way. Are you going to make it? Are you going to come? Of course. Oh, course. great. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, good. So um, I, I think, you know, it, it, it's good to, to have that conversation because, you know, obviously a lot of people, women, have been frightened because of what happened with Sarah Everett. But, mm. you know, I do think there is strength, strength in being able to discuss this yeah. and being able to look at it from different angles. And it doesn't always happen. I know you can't say that because, you know, it's had a serious impact on probably every woman and girl across mm. the UK. Mm. But, you know, we need to try and also put this into perspective. Otherwise... You know, I mean, it's like positivity. In my eyes, you know, I try to be really positive with my projects, tea time, and yeah. um, because positivity breeds positivity. Yeah. It's the same thing with fear, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, when my aunt was murdered, I can remember being devastated, utterly devastated and terrified as you know, the, the violence came right into my life. You know, I wasn't reading about it on the papers. It was right in, in our lives. And it was, it was, it was very traumatic. Um, but I can remember, nobody told me to think this, but I can remember working it out for myself, thinking, what are the odds of this happening again in my family? Of somebody, you know, me or somebody else in my family being murdered they have to be pretty slim. And so I thought, right, okay, you cannot worry about this. You have to just get on with your life and not let it, coupled with what my mother said at the time, which I won't share now. I'll, you, I'll wait till you will hear it on the event. <laughs> um, my mother said some really why, really, she, she saved my life in a way um, from the, you know the the victim mentality she was incredible my mother 
incredible. I owe her a huge debt of gratitude because it would have been so easy to have slipped into a, 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 a you know, a big pond of fear and never get out again, you know, because it is, it's, it's horrible, horrible. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy to have somebody close to you murdered. It's just, it's terrible. It's a terrible life experience. Mm. But, but there are a lot of positives, which <laughs> you'll hear about next week. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, you know, it, it's like anything in life, really. Um, when you go through trauma, I mean, we've all been through trauma of some description. Um, I mean, I, I remember you've been through some other traumatic times as well. I mean, so have I, you know, when when my husband walked out five years ago, I mean, that that was really sort of a traumatic time in my life, yeah. mm. you know, so but I think out of that, if if you look back on those situations, I mean, for me, it really was, you know, the making of who I am today. Yeah. If you hadn't, exactly. I would still have been um part of this couple kind of a semi-lost identity if I'm really yeah. honest no I, th I th and thank you for your honesty um I, th I think that's right I think particularly as women we're not very good at drawing boundaries I don't generally generalization <laughs> I don't think we're good at drawing boundaries and saying no actually I don't want to do that Maybe it's because we're underlying we're scared to say no I don't know but I got lost in my family hardly surprising you know I had so many like I said I was knee deep in children and you you get into the habit of putting other people first and you do lose a sense of identity you're somebody else's you're somebody's wife somebody's mother and you know it's it's easy to lose sight of who you are or were um and and I agree I think I think these traumatic experiences a lot of good can come out of them for sure although although you never think that at the time you're going through them it just it's it's hard isn't it it's tough it's tough and I think having dealt with a lot of death in my family some violent obviously I mean there's other as you said there's other stuff I've gone through I've had quite a challenging life actually um but then with nursing as well you know um, dealing with a lot of death in the second half of my nursing career. Um, I think, yeah, I just, I just think these, these difficult situations, like lockdown, you know, we're dealing with loss all the time. We might not call it that, but that's what we are. At the beginning of lockdown, I did a series of Liz's lockdown lunch um, and, and I talked about the grief curve, uh, which is typically used in palliative care, but you know, and th there is a, a cycle, a pattern of behavior when somebody is grieving. But last year we were all grieving. We all lost something last year. You know, I lost physical contact for because I live alone. And for the first four months of last year, I had nobody, I, I was denied human touch. And, you know, that was massive for me. And mm. shutting the door, I've never been buried alive, so I can't say it felt like being buried alive, but shutting the door on the outside world, knowing that nobody was gonna be coming into my house and I couldn't go into anybody else's house. 
it was like, oh, I don't like them. I'm not sure I like this. Um, so, you know, we, we've all, we all have lost to deal with on a, on a regular basis, but we don't always acknowledge that we carry on. And, and then it comes back to, it does come back to bite us. Afterwards. It does come back to bite us, doesn't it? Mm. You're right. Mm. But, you know, it's, um, it is, you know, today, I mean, not, not the podcast is not going to go out today anyway, but I mean, um, it is actually um, a day of reflection, isn't it? Um, that this is this time last year we went into lockdown, which is yeah. just phenomenal, really, to think that we have gone through a whole year as, of this as, you know, human beings, these completely social animals that we are. Mm. um and you're right everybody I mean big virtual hug because I, I I feel for you I mean I, I'm lucky as in I have a daughter at home you know mm. so um is it, I still get my hugs every day you know yeah. so um but you, you know it's quite extraordinary that we've kind of lived through that would you say that you perhaps have become stronger I mean or do you not think so what, what, what do you oh think? I do I do think so I think so you touched on divorce and separation and stuff so a few years ago my husband and I have a long marriage split up and I I did I had an existential crisis then I just lost all sense of who I was because my identity was very much tied up in the family and so I went through, I did, I went through a really bad time. I just couldn't get out of this horrible place mentally. Eventually I did, and I learned a lot doing that. When this, when lockdown came round, it was like, okay, you've got to dig deep again, girl, because there's nobody else here. You know, you've got to, um, you've got to enjoy your own company. And it was actually really quite revelationary because, of course, I did the same things as everybody else, you know, um, you know, the, the Netflix and the crisps are my downfall. <laughs> you know, bags of crisps. And, you know, you, we, we, all, we all have ways of, of quelling the anxiety, don't we? And yeah. I... But it got to a point with me where I thought there was because I was in silence a lot. I could I could hear the, the voice in my head. Now I don't mean that to make me sound. You know, we've all got a little voice, our conscience. Of course we have. I mean, anyone um, who happen is yeah. lying. Um, <laughs> what's his name? Jiminy Cricket. I had you know I could listen to my Jiminy Cricket and think, oh for goodness sake, that's a bit harsh. And I realised my own self talk was actually, I was very hard on myself. And when you're with lots of people and sociable and parties and family and lead a really busy life, you're not very often on your own. And suddenly here I was locked up on my own with me. And it's like, oh, I think I'm a lot kinder to other people than I am to myself. And I've, this year has allowed me to, to just really tap into that inner voice and think, no, Liz, you do. You don't need to be listening to that rubbish, you know, start to be. So I've started to be kinder to myself. I know a lot of people, there's been a lot of talk about, 
caring for neighbours and looking out for each other, which, you know, as a good citizen, I've done that as well. But I've actually started to really look after myself. And good. Yeah. yeah. So time. I mean, if you think, you know, being a mother as well, I mean, you're, you know, the moment you become a mother, you're sort of dedicated to your child's well-being. And it doesn't really matter what age they are. No. As long as you're still active, which you very much are, you, you know, you, you know, it's like me. I mean, like I've got one that's just gonna flown across the world. But you know, I, I even though he's my tens of thousands of miles away from me, I'm still, you know, completely, oh, is he all right? And yeah. what's his well-being like and all that type of thing. I mean, I think this is a, a, an interesting conversation because I think as a woman, I think if I had my time again, I would try to explain better to my ex-husband and to any other men who were inter- interested. Oh, I can still do it, I suppose. Can't I? I can still do that. It's you have this being growing inside you. I mean, I think that's why Alien, Aliens was created, the film. Hmm men trying to think what can it be like you know to have this this being growing in your abdomen you know it's I mean if you stop and think about it it's it's, yes it's miraculous but b it's just such a difficult trying to explain to another human being who hasn't gone through it it's just really difficult isn't it and then so this baby literally is a part of you it is part of you it's attached to you by an umbilical cord and that gets cut. And from that moment on, you're having to let your most precious child go out into a world that doesn't feel very particularly safe for you. Mm. And yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's why women are perhaps overprotective, why they smother rather than mother. You know, I think it's a very difficult balance. And if you have, you for me, for instance, you know, I found I was in always pushing through my fear around my aunt's murder. You know, the world didn't feel particularly safe before that happened. And certainly afterwards, it didn't feel safe. And I'm having to literally push this child out into the world and then metaphorically push them out. Off you go to school, darling. Oh, my God, they've gone to school. Off you go to secondary school. Oh, they've gone to secondary school. You know, and you're pushing them out all the time. When inside, you don't really want to, do you? And yet, you know, you have to. It's a very difficult. And I think women struggle more with that because because this child was in our bodies, you know, and I think men, we're perhaps not very good at articulating that. Um, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I did see a very, what's just sprung into my mind was a very funny um, video Oh, going back ages on YouTube, a couple of dads were going, oh, labour, it's nothing. <laughs> and they, do you remember there was, it was going around on YouTube and they strapped the, <laughs> these two blokes up to um, electric <laughs> pulse machines and, and, and turned up the frequency to what it's like giving birth. And these men were in agony. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was hilarious. But of course, there's nothing like that for them to experience pregnancy is there it's just it is an extraordinary extraordinary experience which i'm i'm very grateful to have had a few times over yeah 
Absolutely, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, I th I think a celebration of motherhood. We should always have a celebration of motherhood because you know, mm. we do something so important. We bring new life into the world, and we help grow or we grow the next generation. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, not everybody has to be lead global leaders of countries or anything else but you know everybody fits in to the bigger picture and it's how you bring the next generation up you know yeah and I and you know it is we are evolving as a species very slowly but surely you know a generation or two ago you belted your kid didn't you that was discipline mm -hmm. that that's what you did you, you thumped them and you know, as a, as a young teenager, I was I was given not not at home, but at school I was belted. You wow. know, that's unimaginable now, isn't it? Um, I was belted. <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell you what I was belted for, actually. Um, <laughs> um, um, but now, because the conversation has opened up, and we're just saying, actually, this is mad. You know, we we are belting and thumping our our offspring there has to be a better way of doing this and thank goodness there is of course it takes a lot more time and effort and emotional control I mean I will be the first to admit there have been times when I have wanted to pulverize my children you know because they push you to the limits don't they oh yes god goodness knows yeah they do absolutely push you to the limit and yeah, so I'm very grateful. I've had to learn. Um, they've taught me self-control. I don't think I'd particularly had a, had a lot of self-control before my girls came along. I knew I had a choice. I could either beat the living daylights out of them because there was nobody else to nobody there to witness, or I could take a big deep breath, take a step back, calm myself down, and then be the adult. Um, a lot easier than said than done. You know, I. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we've all, you know, we've all got the, I mean, to talk about psychology, we've all got, you know, where, you know, like it's, it's the, you know, the narcissism spectrum. We've all got the, you know, the capability or the tendency to lash out at somebody. Absolutely. Um, you know, we have, but it, it's just how we instinctively deal with it and I think you know you could get two people who would react the same but one person might be having a really bad day where the pressure of their life is to the extent they just can't see what they're even doing yeah um, and the other person is having a relaxed time so yeah. you know it's the person that's stressed that's going to lash out isn't it so yeah absolutely you become less resourceful you know it's all very well you know I, I'm very grateful for my education and you know where I ended up um you know if I'd been a single parent with six oh you know I'm just plucking this out of the air just for the extreme you know if I was a single parent with six kids you know single parent for whatever reason whether it's divorce or separation or death you know there's no way I could have I could have been as as calm. The pressure would have been massive, you know, to be earning a living, to support a family like that. 
Um, so I'm, you know, I, I, I am very grateful for, for my situation that, that I was in raising those kids. Um, and yeah, I hope I don't come across as being... Um, what? No, I don't know. You know, I'm. I'm. We all do our best, don't we, within the circumstances that we have. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I remember being in Tesco's or another such supermarket. Should, do I mention all the chains so that we're not advertising all the chains? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't in Fortnum and Mason. Anyway, let's put it like that. And <laughs> I was doing my shop. I was doing my shop. And before I had children, I was I was so ignorant. I'd be going, you'd hear some child screaming in the shop, you know, in the distance. And you'd you'd go, well, I did. I'd be going, oh, for goodness sake, can't she control her child? You know, and then when I had my own child, I looked back and I thought, oh, my God, what an ignorant ignorant not stupid but just ignorant you don't know you have no idea the stresses and strains of being a parent until no, you become one. no I mean I didn't yeah. either you know I it, it's it, it you know it, it's everything isn't it it's everything from exciting and wonderful to stressful to you know you have your good days you have your bad days um and it as I said it, it it's you know, shapes the child's future and it's how you react with them. Yeah. And I mean, there is that thing of, you know, if you look on mothering as a, as a job, which it isn't, it's a, it's, you know, it's a vocation, isn't it? But if you look at it as a, as a, a in the context view of a job, you can't resign. You, 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 you know, we've all been in jobs. You think, oh God, blow this for a game of soldiers. Oh, I'm going to leave this, and you, you get another job and you leave, don't you? You can't do that as a parent. And some days, you know, I I can remember those crushing days, thinking, what have I done? Oh my God, my youngest child is only two. I've got another at least sixteen years of this. I have no idea I'm going to get through the next. You know, and there is that. There's a lovely quote. So it's by Mary Ann, I don't know how to pronounce this surname, Radmacher, Radmacher, R-A-D-M-A-C-H-E-R. It's a lovely quote. Courage does not always roar. Sometimes courage is the quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. Isn't that lovely? That is lovely, isn't it? Yeah. It is lovely. Because I think particularly for mothers maybe at home or you know in this lockdown oh my god you know I so admire families not just women but families at home trying to deal with lockdown and work at the same time and oh my goodness me that must have been so difficult so difficult I take my hat off it's just it's become um, a very stressful thing and I, I think a year on we are now starting to move forward with it because I think mm. one thing that we have done and that's what we do do as human beings is we readjust. We do I, I, I hope this year has shown us all in some way we've all had hard lessons to learn that's for sure and I, I hope most of us have have discovered how strong and resilient we are 
you know, because we are as human beings, we're, we are very creative. You know, when you look at, look at people and how they've made do and how they, or how they've thrived, you know, in this situation, it, you know, there are lots of great stories. There are good stories. I can't think of one off the top of my head at the moment, but, you know, a lot of people have really kind of woken up. It's been the kick up the backside they've needed and have made some really positive changes. So it hasn't all been doom and gloom. It's no, just definitely. No, I mean, you know, even for, for someone like me, I mean, you know, I did, this time last year, I was still working in the thick of local television. Um, now, you know, I'm running my own media company and doing a lovely podcast with lovely people like you. That <laughs> yeah. was born all in lockdown. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I, I think it, it's good, you know, just to sort of be going out there and trying to sort of educate, inspire and entertain, really, is my motto. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I think and learning, you know, I think if you we've all had stuff to learn, whether it's academic learning or how to do online platforms or, you know, we've all we've all had a lot to deal with, haven't yeah. we? The, um, well, there is that saying that um, people say, oh, you know, well, we're all in the same boat. I like the refinement, which says, no, we're not all in the same boat. We're all in different boats, having different experiences, but we're all on this. We're all in the same storm, you know, somewhere on the ocean. And I like that because, yeah, we've got very different stuff we're all dealing with. But yeah, yeah we're resilient. Resilience. That's the word, isn't it? Yeah, I think resilient. so. And, you know, I think you're very resilient and I can see you facilitating many more talks in the future, not just the one next week. Well, I, I think <laughs> sometimes I can remember watching Madonna's career, seeing her reinvent herself over and over again and doing different things. And and actually, I, th I think I admire that in her. She just got on does what she wants doesn't she and explores new possibilities and I think we've all got to do that a bit you know otherwise we just get stale we we don't grow we don't learn new skills and yeah I think I think it's good to keep growing I provided I stay well you know and I've got my marbles I will be I you know there's nothing to stop me doing what I'm doing 25 30 years from now you know there really isn't right. heaven forbid Liz Allen crashing around the planet for another 30 years <laughs> oh my god so I think that's brilliant anyway thank you for coming on tea time today it's been my lovely. absolute pleasure thank you for asking me oh you're welcome <laughs> Look forward to chatting with my next guest on the Tea Time Sofa this time next Saturday. In the meantime, if you would love to get in touch about having a chat with me, you can reach me on teatime at forthenow.co.uk or you can find me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram on Tea Time with AM. Bye for now.